Welcome to Nostrum, the debate soap opera, where deontology is more than just an idea, it's a rebuttal by Jules O'Shaughnessy and the Nostrumite. Before we get going, we do like to remind you that just as Jules and the Nostromite began writing these episodes at the beginning, you should begin listening at the beginning. All of our previous episodes are available at www.jimmenick.com. Once again, I'm going to ask you to dig back into your memory and try to recall some characters we haven't talked about for quite some time. One of them is Gloria what? Gloria, of course, is the goth Bissonnet debater. I don't recall exactly how much debating she's actually done. I do remember Disney Davidson becoming rather enamored of her, and I also remember that she had some kind of boyfriend in the background. Well, in this particular episode, the boyfriend in the background will be coming forward. This is a two-parter. We'll also be going back to a more familiar story, that of Lisa Tort and Bill Invoice O'Connor. Episode 69, Part 1. But is he worse than her bite? The stages of what is known to anthropologists as mall rattery, that is, the phases a human being goes through if said human happens to be a mall rat, are many. While mall rattery is often mistakenly associated exclusively with adolescence, even an infant in a stroller can be a member of the species as can a Nike-shoed retiree getting his daily two miles in under his record time of three hours. Once the shopping mall sociologically replaced the city as the center of life in America, its centrality became a magnet for all ages. But perhaps because of their spiffily unique attire, ranging from ripped fish t-shirts to brand-name splashed athletic baggies, or their proclivity for the greasiest offerings of the food courts, or just the general animus many adults feel toward them because they possess all the benefits of youth, with none of the so-called wisdom of age to use them wisely, it is only teenagers who get the bad rep and end up being hassled by security. When was the last time you saw a group of 70-year-old yentas getting pushed out the door by the pimply guys with the walkie-talkies? When was the last time you saw a two-year-old being told to buy something or else move along? Oh, that recently? Well, what mall are you hanging out in? Anyhow, the Auschwitz Galleria? Bark Santarelli works three days a week after school at the Veblen Mall in Knighton Township. Bark's job is to sit at a kiosk shaped like a peddler's wagon and sell baseball cards, comic books, and other similar ephemera. Bark's boss rumbles by to check up on business on a random schedule in hopes of catching Bark or the clerks running the other four kiosks managed by Mr. Winand in the act of stealing the merchandise, or worse, goofing off by chatting with friends rather than staring off into space like a good worker. Job sucks, Bark says absently, sitting on his stool. He has long, stringy hair tied around at the back of his neck, where the head of a dragon tattoo can be seen riding up above the collar of his black Mosh This t-shirt. 
Three gold earrings dangle from his right ear, and one from his left. Completing his outfit is a pair of tight black pants and black boots. He'd also be wearing his usual black cap, but Mr. Winan prohibits his clerks from wearing, but not selling, baseball hats. Bark looks as if he hasn't shaved in six days. What doesn't suck? Gloria Fudless responds. She's standing at Bark's kiosk, aimlessly fingering some NFL, the one with the pigskin memorabilia. She, too, is dressed all in black. I got a break in half an hour, Bark says. He's a senior at night and day, all of 18 years old, with a regular driver's license and his own agent, Buick, making him a virtual adult in the context of a high school environment. I got homework, Gloria says. I should go home. Eh, we can go out to my car, Bark says with a slight leer. His message is clear. I really have work to do, Bark. You always have freaking work to do, Gloria. What's with you, anyhow? Nothing's with me. I want to be with you. He gets off his stool and moves toward her. She doesn't respond when he puts her arms around her. What's the matter with you, he says. Nothing's the matter with me, Gloria says. I just don't want to, you know... No, I don't freaking, you know. He climbs back onto his stool. You're like really screwed up lately, you know? She doesn't look at him. I'm just like busy, all right? You were never freaking busy before. Well, I'm freaking busy now, she replies angrily, turning to face him. Look, I don't know what's got into you lately, but I don't like it. I mean, one minute we're like real cool, and the next minute you're doing freaking homework and going to freaking debate meetings, for God's sakes. I mean, what the hell is that all about? Her resolve melts as quickly as it froze. Her shoulders sag. I don't know, she says wearily. I don't understand it myself. You're not trying to be a freaking brain or something, are you? I'm not stupid, Bar. I didn't say you were stupid, baby. You don't have to go around strutting it, you know what I mean? He climbs down from his stool again and puts his arms around her once more. This time she leans into him. I just want you to be the way you always are, you know? I mean, cool. My Gloria. She nods, then pulls him close. They kiss. For a long time. That's better, Park says, finally pulling away. Gloria nods. That's better, she agrees. He climbs back on his stool. So like I was thinking, you and me, maybe this weekend we could do something cool. Maybe you can go to the city Sunday with some of the guys, hang out something. I can't, Gloria says. Why not? I have to go to a debate Sunday. Bark's face reddens. Another freaking debate. We just talked about this crap. I thought you were finished with that freaking debate crap. I didn't say that. Freaking debate. He shakes his head. Jesus H. Simpson, Gloria. I don't get you. I really don't get you. I don't get me either sometimes, Bark. It's got to be Sunday, babe. i got to work Saturday. I don't know, Bark. Don't do this to me, Gloria. It, like, bums me out. I'm sorry, Bark. I'm not doing it to bum you out. It bums me out, too. Weird, you know? I know. He comes down off the stool again, they hug again, and kiss again. You never see the mall walking senior citizens doing any of that. Are you working here or screwing here? The voice of Mr. Winan suddenly asks. Bark pulls away. Yeah, right, he replies. Are you buying anything? Mr. Winan angrily asks Gloria. I'm going home, she replies, but to Bark, not to Mr. Winan. I've got homework. Sunday, Bark says, by way of farewell. Sunday, she repeats, turning and walking away. Part two, did somebody say conversion?
Invoice O'Connor is standing at the front of the classroom when Lisa Tort enters. The meeting of the Veil of Ignorance team has been going on for 15 minutes without her. Sorry I'm late, she mutters to the 20 or so students, although she really isn't sorry in the least. She was reading a magazine in the faculty lounge, putting off coming here until she heard Monsignor Lloyd's voice, and she realized that a classroom full of Polisians is probably preferable to explaining to the royal high muckamuck why she wasn't, in fact, in that classroom. Aside from when she is teaching her social studies students, Lisa is still not comfortable in her new position be it chit-chatting with the professional celibates or trying to explain L.D. to Polisians, she still feels like the proverbial fish out of water. Maybe if she were a Catholic, it wouldn't be so bad. Maybe she should convert. We've got a problem, Invoice confronts her, blocking her path to the desk. She's been expecting the Polisians to throw a lynching party ever since she suggested that they might consider looking at L.D., but the big smile on Invoice's face belies the seriousness of the situation. And what problem is that? Lisa asks. You've been telling us all about LD, and you want us to give it a look, and you've even convinced me to try it this weekend, but we've decided that you've been avoiding finding out yourself about policy. I was just thinking about converting to Catholicism, she says. I've got good news and bad news, Invoice says. The bad news is that policy has more dogma than Catholicism, but the good news is it's got no pope. In other words, now you want me to convert to policy. We are basically a policy school, Miss Tort, one of the juniors tells her. Like all male policians, he's wearing a baseball cap. LDers only wear baseball caps on casual Fridays. And you are our coach, Invoice adds. She sighs loudly. I'm an old LD dog, she says ruefully. And we're old policy dogs, Invoice says. And I repeat, you are our coach. You're right, she agrees. I should know more about policy. I've been putting it off because I'm still getting oriented in so many other things. But I guess now is as good a time as any to get started. She walks past Invoice and sits at the desk. So let the games begin. Teach me about policy. I gather that's what you've been cooking up amongst yourselves. Exactly, Invoice says. First of all, you already know the basics of debate to some extent because you know something about LD. So I don't have to tell you what a resolution is or an AF or an egg. Well, shut my mouth, she says. You have half and eggs in policy, too? Occasionally. Invoice picks up a piece of chalk. The thing is, if you want to understand debate, you've got to know some key items. First of all, there's a plan. AF has a plan. A plan? A plan. A canal? Panama. I mean, the assumption is that the AF wants to make a change of policy, and they've got to have a plan to do it. So the NEG can argue status quo. They don't have to have an alternate plan. Right. They could have an alternate plan, which we call a counterplan, but they don't have to. They only need to have a counterplan if they agree with some of AF's harms, but think that they have a better solution than AF does. Got it? Got it. So, we have a plan. Right. We have a plan. Now, for a plan to work, you've got to have solvency. Invoice writes the word solvency on the blackboard. You mean it's got to dissolve in water? No, no, no. Solvency means you've got to have a plan that works. I think I prefer a plan that dissolves in water. Now, the reason you need the plan is because you've got harms in the status quo. So, to get to the plan, the AF obviously has to show some harms. Invoice writes the words harms on the board. Reasonable, Lisa says. We've got harms in LD2. Harms are good. No, Invoice says harms are bad. You're confusing this, a senior in the front row says. She's right. Harms are good. At least they're essential. Right, okay, right. Invoice agrees. I mean, harms are bad, but they're good to have. You've got to have harms. 
All you really need is harms. Lisa sings back to him. Three novices chime in. Da 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 da. Now enough, invoice says. He writes the word inherency on the board. Next, you need your inherency. Only if you've got a rich uncle. What? Well, you want your inherency from a rich uncle. Then you can buy yourself a Miata. Inherency, invoice explains, means that the present situation, the status quo, if you will, I will, I doubt it, <sighs> invoice says with a theatrical groan that gets a big laugh from everyone. If you don't mind, inherency means that the status quo will not solve for the harms in and of itself. In other words, there has to be an inherent need for your plan. Inherency. I need your plan. Right. I feel your pain. Stick with needing my plan. Okay. Now, here's a big one. He writes another word on the board. Topicality. Topicality. Lisa repeats. I know that one is orange juice. Topicality orange juice. Not from concentrate. Invoice narrows his eyes and growls. Topicality means that your case sticks to the topic, and it's not some cockamamie misreading of what the framers of the resolution meant in the first place. Cockamamie. Are you allowed to use language like that in policy? This is not Beavis and Butthead, so you say. Given your attitude, Ms. Tort, we won't go into extra topicality or plan spikes, but we should just keep you on your toes. My feet hurt already. Now... How are you supposed to remember all this stuff? Aha! Invoice turns to the class. She asks, how is she supposed to remember all this stuff? He turns back to Lisa. Does the word mnemonic devices strike a chord? That's two words. She looks at the blackboard. Solvency, harms, inherency, topicality. I get it, she says. I assume every policy novice learns this the first day. Of course, there's also significance, but who needs the plural when you're just starting out? Who indeed? There is one other thing you should know about, however. And it doesn't fit the mnemonic? I'm afraid not. What is it? Disads. Well, I've heard the word, she says. It always sounds like television commercials that dis people. Disadvantages is, of course, the disadvantages of your plan, Invoice says. There should be no disads or the disads should weigh less on a scale than the present harms. Makes sense to me. Pull it all together. Solvency, harms, inherency, topicality, disads. Again, solvency, harms, inherency, topicality, disads. Again, Eliza, solvency, harms, inherency, topicality, death, and it's Lisa, Professor Higgins. By George, I think she's got it. Lisa jumps on top of her desk. She cries the words at the top of her voice. Solvency, harms, inherency, topicality, disads. Solvency, harms, inherency, topicality, disads. The team is cheering her on, and suddenly Monsignor Lloyd is standing in the doorway. There is immediate silence as all eyes turn to him. Lisa Tort gulps. Good afternoon, Monsignor. Good afternoon, Miss Tort. There is an uncomfortable pause. Uh... This is your regular meeting, he asks. Lisa nods. Well then, carry on, he says, closing the door behind him. We have been carrying on, Lisa replies after he is gone. Invoice O'Connor holds out his hand to help her down from the desktop. Thank you, Invoice, she says, stepping first to the chair and then to the floor. And thanks for the lesson as well. His eyes twinkle in his sweet, chubby face. My pleasure, he says. He looks at his watch. Late bus in three minutes, he calls out. Let's get the hell out of here. Twenty or so policians grab their belongings and head for the hills. Within seconds, Lisa is alone in the classroom. 
So much for converting to Catholicism, she thinks, recalling the stunned expression on Monsignor Lloyd's face, but at least policy seems slightly more within her grasp than it used to be. She recalls the goofy, happy expression on Invoice's face. That sweet, chubby face. Will Bark dump Gloria? Will Gloria dump Bark? Will Lisa throw LD out the window as she learns how to use T in a sentence? For the answers, all you have to do is look further than our next episode. Gingham, basic cat or herbal pork? <laughs>